0: The reading this morning is from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and the first 16 verses. Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death In holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So um, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith He made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them.
1: Faith. It's being sure of what we hope for certain of what we do not see. The catalogue of faith in Hebrews 11 begins with these words and continues with a roll call of those who exercised faith in what they couldn't see. Faith in God who is invisible, faith in the future that lay ahead of them that was at yet inaccessible to them. Hebrews makes the point that faith is an essential part of religious experience. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Makes sense, because if you don't believe God exists, you're going to have a hard time pleasing him. In the years after the First World War, there was a movement in science and philosophy to rule any talk of God as being out of order, on the basis that the only reality you should be prepared to accept was one that could be personally verified on the basis of human experience or of observable evidence. So it was considered a nonsense to try and make truth claims about things that couldn't be objectively verified. A.J. Eyre was the philosophical champion in the UK of logical positivism, as it came to be known. You can only believe what can be seen or touched or experienced on an empirical basis. Yet such an outlook on life brings its own conundrums. If you say, if you can't see it, it isn't there, what about stuff that you can't see? Is it there if you can't see it? The Sunday dinner that some of you would have put in the oven at home, which you believe is cooking, in the expectation it will be there when you return, do you know it's really there? In the absence of anybody standing over it saying, yes, it is still there at this moment in time, can you be sure it really exists? If things only exist if they're open to human observation, what about things that we can't see? If we discover a new star in the universe... Was it there before we found it? Bizarrely, when we find it, is it there now? Because if it's billions of light years away, the star itself might have gone. All we're seeing is the light coming to us from it. Bishop Barclay extrapolated the existence of God from the philosophy of logical positivism on the basis that material things in the universe can and do exist apart from human observation because God is there keeping an eye on them. So you might have heard the little limerick composed by Ronald Knox that goes, there was a young man who said God must find it exceedingly odd to think that the tree should continue to be when there's no one about in the quad. The reply is, dear sir, your astonishment's odd. I am always about in the quad. And that's why the tree will continue to be since observed by yours faithfully, God. These days, logical positivism has gone out of fashion. You find fewer and fewer people saying that they are only prepared to believe what they can see with their own eyes. And that's partly because over the last 50 years, science has become increasingly preoccupied with things that you can't see. Particles so small... You can't actually perceive them. Or particles so difficult to get hold of, you never discover them in isolation. They're gone before you find they dis- disappear as soon as you try and get close to them. There is a debate in science at the moment about the extent to which science should be engaged in theories that can't be objectively verified or demonstrated. String theory is criticised by some scientists as being nothing more than a fairy tale, because it can't be scientifically proven. I'm not a scientist. I looked up string theory on the easy-to-understand websites, and didn't understand it. (laughs) But it is an attempt to reconcile what very clever people know about gravity, and what very people very clever people know about quantum mechanics by suggesting that subatomic particles exist in strings. And when they're under tension, they get excited, rather like a guitar string when it is plucked. That's the theory. The problem is that such strings, if they exist, are a millionth of of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a centimetre in length. So they're pretty small and they're hard to identify. So there's a debate about you know, if it's just a theory, should we be interested in this or should it be banished from scientific endeavour because it's not really scientifically verifiable. But I make that point because Hebrews says, faith is about recognising that what we see isn't made out of what is visible. And that's where science is at the moment. What we see is not made out of what we can see. Behind what we see, there's all sorts of invisible stuff going on. Don't let anyone try and tell you then that science and faith are incompatible, because science is about believing what you see with your own eyes. It's not how it works these days. That's a view of science that is 60 or more years out of date. From string theory and parallel universes, to dark matter, to quarks and the God particle, science these days is working all the time on the basis of a belief in things that you cannot see. And the more you look at all this stuff, the more mind-bogglingly amazing it all becomes. In the midst of it all, bizarrely, there is beauty. Not just the physical beauty of the subatomic particle, the building blocks of everything that we know, but the mathematical beauty of effective theories about how it all works and holds it all together. All scientists, whether they believe in God or not, share a sense of wonder At every fresh discovery, they find out about the universe. It is amazing. And when Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that what we see is not made out of things that are visible, that is a fundamental truth in science as much as it is in Christianity. There is more to the universe than meets the eye. And that is where faith comes in. Arguably, though, one of the greatest exercises in faith in the scientific realm was the building of the Large Hadron Collider beneath the Franco-Swiss border. It's huge. It's a circular construction spanning 27 kilometres, located 100 metres underground. It consists of 1,200 magnets, cooled to minus 271 Celsius, a temperature colder than outer space. And the magnets are used to accelerate protons to 99.99998 percent of the speed of light and it smashes them together and examines the resultant debris for the higgs boson particle whose existence was correctly predicted by professor higgs back in 1964 50 years from theory to the verification of the theory. It's not a particle that's easy to find because it disintegrates as soon as it's created. But just as you can split atoms into electrons and protons and neutrons, well, neutrons and protons are made up of quarks. No one's ever seen a quark, but they reckon that they're there. You can never find a quark in isolation because they always clump together in twos and threes. And it's the Higgs boson particle that is supposed to give quarks their mass. So it's very heavy, apparently. And they figured that they found it, because when they smashed all these protons together, they found a particle that didn't spin. And they figured that that was what they were looking for, aptly named perhaps the God particle. For the past 50 years, particle physics has developed on the basis of a theory of things that cannot be seen. And the Large Hadron Collider was a massive investment in finance and human resources. 10,000 scientists from 60 countries developing a 17-mile circular tunnel that cost 2.6 billion pounds to build. That was a journey of faith that resulted in a discovery earlier on this year. Faith is often described as a journey, and we are called to make a journey of faith on the basis of something we cannot see, God, towards a destination that we cannot see, heaven. Hebrews cites Abraham as an example of one who, on the basis of his faith in God, the God he had never seen, was willing to leave the security of what he knew and set out into the unknown because he'd been promised that at some point in the future his descendants would possess a land. A land in which, during his lifetime, he would perpetually live an unsettled existence as a gypsy, moving all the time from place to place in a tent. He set out on the basis of the belief that God would give him something that he would never actually see as his possession. He would see it, he would live in it, but he wouldn't possess any of it until he bought a cave uh, as a burial place. And when you stop to think about the way in which he didn't even have any children when he set out on the journey, at the age of 75, to be given a land that his descendants would have, and he had to wait another 25 years before the son who would inherit was born, you begin to get an idea of just how much faith was involved for this man to do all that. No wonder he is held up as an example of faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. And Hebrews uses him as an example to challenge us. Abraham believed in promises that would only find their complete fulfilment after his lifetime, but on the basis of that faith and trust, he was prepared to spend his lifetime following God. Ultimately, Hebrews says, he was looking beyond even the promise to give the land of Canaan to his descendants. With the eyes of faith, he was looking forward to making his home in a heavenly country in a city with eternal foundations designed and built by God himself and we are engaged on that same journey of faith towards the same destination. We are called to be people of faith who trust in a God we cannot see for things we do not yet possess. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you do not yet see. The reward for this faith is to see what you believe. I remember when my children were very young, they would ask me, as children do, where's heaven? And we're coming up with all sorts of ideas and suggestions about where heaven might be or what heaven might be like. But over the years, I suppose I've come to the view that heaven, actually, as far as we are concerned, is a future dimension. That's why you will not discover it. However far we pierce the, the, the distances and the mysteries of the universe, you won't discover heaven because it isn't there yet. This week, the Hubble Telescope found a 14th moon circling Neptune. But if you look beyond that, and people are discovering the ever-expanding network of the universe, you will not find heaven because the future dimension of heaven means it is simply not accessible to us. Any more than your house was accessible to anybody before it was built. Or your dinner was in the oven before you put it there. If it's not there now, you're not going to find it now. You've you heard the story about the, the first Russian cosmonaut who went into space. I looked round everywhere, he said, and God wasn't there. This was the big communist proof of God's of the non-existence of God. You might have heard, I think I've told it, the story of the child in school who being told this as evidence of the, the non-existence of God. replied, But but the Bible says that it's the pure in heart that will see God. So no wonder the cosmonauts couldn't spot him. But if heaven is a future reality and if we are people of faith and we believe that that is where we are going to end up, then that faith should govern How we live in the present, here and now. And the challenge of Hebrews 11 isn't just about faith, believing in God. It isn't just about faith, looking forward to what is to come, even though we can't see it. The challenge is, what difference does that make here and now, if we have that kind of faith? Because in the long, long list of those who live by faith, the common feature to them all is that by faith, they did something. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than his faithless brother, Cain. By faith, Enoch pleased God so much that he was taken straight to heaven. By faith, Noah built the ark to save his family, even though the prospect of a cataclysmic flood must have seemed pretty remote to him and his unbelieving neighbours. By faith, when he received the call to journey to the land that God would show him, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Faith... Real faith, genuine faith, leads to action. It makes a difference to how we live in the here and now. So, the challenge that Hebrew sets before us is how much difference does our faith make to the way in which we live? And when the God we don't see but we believe in speaks, how prepared are we to respond and do as He says? What is God calling you to do? What are you going to do about it? And if faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see, and the object of our faith is God and the goal of our faith is nothing less than eternal life, how much does that faith become the prime motivation for how you live? How much does it determine the overall direction of your life? How much difference does it make? How much do you invest in terms of time and energy and resources and ambition and direction in the faith that should be at the centre of your heart? Think about the Large Hadron Collider, 50 years in the planning, billions of pounds to make, thousands of scientists from dozens of different countries, all that investment in the faith that something was there that they wanted to discover. And that's just a tiny subatomic particle. We have faith in the God who created all of that and has prepared for us a future that is assured and guaranteed and is beyond our wildest imaginings. How much effort and time and investment and direction of our lives is governed by the faith that we express by being here this morning. Faith should make a significant difference to how we live now. The Brazilian philosopher Ruben Alves pointed out, you may dance the tune played by the present reality. Your style of life will be realistic and pragmatic. Or you may choose to move your body under the spell of the mysterious tune and rhythm which come from a world we do not see. The world of our hopes and aspirations. Hope is hearing the melody of the future. Faith is to dance it. We are the people of the future. You believe. How much does that affect how you behave? As people of faith, how are you going to live? What are you going to do? What difference is it going to make to you? Let's pray. Lord, we all struggle sometimes with faith, I suspect. Because what we see around us is so real. And we still sometimes find it difficult to believe in what we cannot see. Yet that is how you, the unseen God, made the universe. We marvel at its wonder and complexity and its massive size. From the greatest dimension of it to the tiniest, it is phenomenal. May our understanding of the universe as it expands increase our faith and trust in you, the one who created it all. And Lord, we're all here because either we believe in you or we're looking for you. Plant within us, faith the side of a grain of mustard seed that will enable us to trust you. See answers to prayer that will impact on our lives. And as it impacts on our lives, it makes a difference to the world around us. Lord in bread and wine, things which we see we recognise the presence of Christ which we cannot see and the truth that he gave his life for us. As we eat and drink enable us to see with the eyes of faith Christ risen, present among us the one who gave his life for us the one who gives his life to us Help us to trust and honour and obey. In Jesus' name. Amen.